Welcome back to the Admissions Uncovered podcast, where the college admissions podcast for the students, by the students. I'm Michael Gao, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic and Nee. Now, Dominic and Nee are going to be graduating, I think in two days, right guys? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. At the time of recording this, when this comes out, we will have already graduated. Oh, that's right. Officially, even though we've been out of school for like a week, but I don't know. Yeah, we've been chilling. <laughs> i tell you, it's been great. So y'all will be graduating from high school, and do y'all have an announcement to make? So, you know, it's been a great time having a, uh, a college student that just went through the process, um, kind of there on the podcast as a guiding force, and then also tracking the progress of the current high school seniors going through the process. And we just think that, you know, having three college students um, on the podcast is just going to be a little too much, um, and we really want to keep it fresh with... Uh, a high school senior at least, um, and it's very difficult to do for people. Um, so we're going to go ahead and step aside, um, and then Michael is going to continue it with some future hosts uh, that can keep the content fresh and relevant to the current application process. It seems kind of like the next logical step. Hey, we're graduating from high school, and this podcast has helped us a lot the past year ever since we started it. Was it like May of last year? I think so, yeah. I think I think we're definitely more than a year out. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely been a year. In like a closet on the second second floor of our school, all yeah, crammed up yeah. together. It's in an essay of mine somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, just kind of going through all these episodes, this will be, we're over like 50 plus episodes. So it's just kind of like bittersweet, a bittersweet ending. We're both going off to college. Dominic will make his announcement later so stay tuned for his big announcement but um it's not a big announcement hint hint he might be joining me in the northeast who knows you never know but um it's kind of it's good so like this is like our kind of final episode um two days before about to graduate and it's seems like it's time yeah i i just looked over at our website and we've released the first episode of the podcast on may 29th of 2018 so the mm. day y'all will be graduating no. is the day is one year out from our first episode that's crazy, that's crazy. hey we made it we didn't drop out dominic <laughs> <laughs> we did it <laughs> yeah so it's it's been a year um, and it's been actually a lot of fun talking to you guys about college admissions i think we definitely talked more because uh, we did the podcast um, and so it'll be a little bit bittersweet leaving this behind, but you know, I'm always super interested in college admissions. It's, it's, you know, I think we'll get into a little bit why I find it interesting or, but I am definitely still very interested in it. And, um, there's going to be some really cool stuff coming up next. So Dominic teased some, uh, new co-hosts coming on. We'll be doing a lot of guest episodes, um, for the next month or so. So I think we'll be having a person on who'll help us talk about music schools, which we haven't talked about. So how the application process differs for, you know, different types of schools that we haven't really, we don't really know that much about. Um, and then I'll have some really interesting, you know, current high school seniors, incoming college freshmen on to talk about their admission stories to, to, to give you even more ideas about how you can get through the college admissions process. But now that we've done the and big announcements, Let's let's start on the final episode of version one of the Admissions Uncover podcast. So the first thing I think we wanted to talk about is finally give you all the announcement of where Dominic is going and, and talk a little bit about how he made that decision and also how Nee made her decision as well. 
All right, so I don't know why, like, this wasn't discussed. Um, I think it just, like, it, I don't know. Like, we're not trying to, I, I'm not trying to hide it. But I think just what happened was, like, I didn't know where I was going to pick. Um, and I'll talk about why uh, in a little bit. Um, and then... Until, like, May 1st, right? Just that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, yeah. Or the day before. It was one of those. Wow, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, like, at 11 o'clock, but it was... <laughs> I don't know. Definitely with like at least four hours. Wow! Like it was not cutting <laughs> four like, hours. I have so a good margin there. Cool. No, when I went in, when I went into that day, like I knew what I was gonna pick. I was just like, I just had to make sure, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a very safe person, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and then I think once once I uh, after May first, like the episodes we recorded, I just I don't think there was a time in the episodes where it just like seemed logical in the discussion. Bring it up. So, um. I'm going to be going to Boston College, um, and I... Where's that? From that decision, um, what? Where's Boston College? Where is it? For our viewers who don't know. Where is Boston College? College? It's right outside of Boston. Wait, really? I couldn't have guessed. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. so um, the the main decision I had um, going into about April uh, was going to be Notre Dame, Carnegie Mellon... And uh, Boston College, Carnegie. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get. That's an important part in the decision. I'll get. Oh, to really? <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. It's not that important, but it was a small factor. I had to think about it. You know, <laughs> I went on two separate tours. I did Notre Dame and Carnegie Mellon for one trip, and then I did Boston separately, just the way it lined up. I was like really close. On the days I can miss for school. Between those trips, I missed like six days or something. Nice. It was like pretty crazy. So I was kind of real close there, but it all worked out. Like all three were great schools academically. Like there wasn't a big, like a huge difference between them to where there was a clear decision. Um, So it really came down to like certain aspects of the school that I probably should have focused a little bit more on earlier in the process. So for all of you about to go through the process... um, When counselors and teachers say to actually look at the programs and the schools and stuff... um, definitely put effort into that but i will say like some of the stuff that i had discovered um only came up from going to the schools and being admitted and being at like the admitted students days uh, and that kind of helped go into the decision but i think some of the stuff could have been learned ahead of time uh so when i was there uh a lot of it came down to my program so i want to do economics and then probably some business and i found that at notre dame like there was just a lot of um friction between like econ and business, and I wouldn't be able to work between the programs too well. Um, and then also, there were a couple other small things, so like the location. Um, growing, Having grown up in Dallas and Southern California outside of LA, like I'd always been used to the big city feeling. Um, so just the, the small college town setting uh, didn't really feel right. So that was a little bit of it. And then also just some of the like core requirements. It, it was pretty aggressive. Um, and I just didn't like some of that. I just didn't want to do. So then it was really between Carnegie Mellon and Boston College. I'm going to call it CMU because I cannot say Carnegie. <laughs> uh, it's just too much work. And it just sounds weird. Yeah, I got into it. Like, you know, you hear Carnegie, right? But they made it a thing at the presentation. They were like, it is said Carnegie. And, you know, that was just, it was a small little thing. It did not impact my decision too much. <laughs> like, I wasn't sure if for the rest of my life I could say Carnegie like all the oh time. Oh my goodness. For like where I went to school. Oh and my stuff. goodness. So I was like, you know what? That might be a little something. Obviously, it did not impact my decision like a I lot. I not. But it was, it was like, it was there. Like, you gotta, everything has a certain weight in the decision. 
even if it's a very small weight, it, it still carries something. Uh, but I think as far as freedom of program, uh, CMU had the greatest f- freedom. Um, and for a long time, like all throughout April and once I had done the tour, I was like, I think this is where I'm going to go. Um, but once I started looking at it, like in order to do a double major between econ and business administration, I would lose like all freedom of electives uh, because all of them would be taken up with the courses needed to do that. And I'd have to be like overloading my schedule every single semester all the way through. And because I was doing that, like I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do study abroad stuff. Um, I love the program, but I think because it gave me such a big freedom of the program, like it took away a lot of the academic freedom that I wanted at college. So then I kind of arrived upon the the Boston decision. It has, it's kind of like a mix between the core curriculums. Carnegie Mellon's was the most relaxed and then Notre Dame's is probably the more, more intense. Um, it's also where I get the most AP credit. Uh, they have a great study abroad program that I can do with the London School of Economics. So I found there was a lot of freedom there with like my coursework uh, of what I could do. And then also as far as the city setting, like I'm a sucker for nice cities because I've lived, I've lived in Dallas and near LA. So Boston was really nice. Um, you know, you got to go get those Red Sox, man. Like, what can I say? No, Yankees. <laughs> Yankees all the way. Oh, no. Michael, we're going to have a problem. Yankees buddy. all so the this way. This is why I'm leaving. See, we said it was because uh, we need a new host, <laughs> but it's really because he likes the Yankees. I just, that was a deal breaker. Or the, or the Mets, right? The Yankee and the Mets are our teams. <laughs> okay. And the and the wow. Giants, right? What sport are they, Michael? Giants or football? Oh, Wait, wow. really? That's very impressive. <laughs> like, for sure? <laughs> yeah. hey, I think hey, it's um, I got it right. badminton. I think they're the badminton <laughs> team. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told people how I pronounced bad Ming Tin, and they also laughed like y'all. So apparently I'm in the very small minority that pronounces it that way. Because yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> we'll, we'll agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. There's not a difference in pronunciation. It's just wrong. There's no G. We'll agree to disagree. We'll just have to agree to disagree on this one. Like There's there's no Sorry. G. Sorry. <laughs> there's no G. <laughs> it's not even a weird J. It's, there's just like no J sound. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I just always thought, okay, all right, we can talk about how I pronounce things later. All right, whatever. Apparently, apparently I pronounce many things strangely. Yeah, so I will say, like, once it got down to, like, five days left, I was, I was kind of freaking out. Usually, I'm a very, like, calm, like, straightforward person. I, I, I was, I was low-key kind of freaking out. Oh, also financial aid. That was a big thing, too, like, getting those negotiated and stuff. It definitely works. I will say, like, for one of the schools, um, the very original offer was nearly cut in half as far as, like, how much I would have to pay remaining through the different strategies that we talked about in the, the financial aid episode. Uh, so that one's actually, I think, a very important episode um, if you're trying to get some more financial aid. And it just kind of all came together at the... The last minute there. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think this is why... I mean, like, I get under, definitely understand why, like, it's stressful. You know, because if there's yeah. no, like, obvious decision, right, then you have to, like, wade through all the different, like, minutia of, okay, like, comparing specific programs and all these things. And that's actually very, very hard. Um, and I think one thing that we can all share with this process, like, just how important the stakes are. Um, not just, just like in reality, it's high stakes, but also how we feel about it. Because, you know, like who knows if this is actually important or not, but a hundred percent, this is true that we feel that it is super duper important and that we feel super 
under pressure to make the right calls, especially for like where we're going to be spending the next four years. So I definitely understand, you know, why there was so much deliberation in it. Also, it was weird because like, I think um, a lot of it, when, when you, we tell people to make their decision, it's like comparing the different schools. But I found like a lot of the uh, trouble I was having was because of the certain aspects of schools that the other one didn't have. And then you like have to pick, you can't even pick like a slightly worse or better option. It's just like, I have this or I don't. And I think that was very interesting to have to deal with too. Yeah. Because then you have to think about what you want. Like what type of education do you actually want? Do you want something like more constricted that Notre Dame might give with more distributional requirements or core requirements? Or do you want something broader, like, like CMU or, or Carnegie, melon apparently i will say all fantastic schools there's a reason i definitely applied yeah but you know in the end you can only pick one need you want to tell us a little bit about how you made the decision on your end well mine was definitely not as elaborate as dominic's listening to all his like (laughs) little things here and there and also seeing like in person i'd be like dominic come on and then or i remember (laughs) this one time we were sitting in calculus and then he taps on my shoulder, and then he starts writing these words on a piece of paper. I'm like, what are you doing? And it's like, CMU, ND, BC. And I'm like, bro, I'm not going to decide for you. <laughs> and I was like, what do you want me to do? And this was like, it was like three days before May 1st. And I was like, oh like I was like, oh, bro, I don't, I don't know. But, um, so my decision, I don't know if I've said this before, but I think it was a lot easier. So like before I like, uh, if you guys don't know, I'm going to be going to Dartmouth. So before I heard back from Dartmouth, um, cause it was like one of my later ones, I was like, oof, I really don't want to start making a pro cons list. Cause we kind of made one in the morning as a joke. And trust me, like the things, they were so bad. Like they were like the randomest reasons ever. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so screwed. But then, um, I was really lucky actually like Dartmouth, was so like what I was looking at was I kind of wanted to go back to the northeast so location um definitely financial aid was a big thing and then like academics of course like like Dominic said like most of my schools I think they're relatively pretty close in terms of academics but it just happened to be with Dartmouth they also for one thing it's close to one of my cousins that lives up there and also they gave me the best financial aid so it was just kind of like a win-win situation really good academics good financial aid um kind of like not I wouldn't say an ideal location because it's like kind of in the middle of nowhere but you know close enough in the northeast I'll take it so it was just like a pretty easy decision like I opened up the letter and then my mom was like okay you're going to Dartmouth and I was like yes I'm going to Dartmouth (laughs) and that's just just like how it played out and then there were times where like maybe I should think about this more like really am I not just gonna take a second to reconsider and stuff but I think Definitely for me, financial aid was one of the biggest things. Like, I feel like it would be silly not to go to probably like the best school on my list and also the school that gave me the most money. Yeah, I mean, I remember you kind of having those second thoughts like, oh, maybe I should consider these other schools. And like, I understand why, obviously, just because how, like I I just said, how important this process is, but also how much pressure we feel to make the right call. But I think I I also, when you were having that hesitation, was like, come on, really? (laughs) You know? Yeah, it was just kind of like a, you know, sometimes it's like, I should be doing this, like, kind of thing, kind of mindset, like it's expected or something like I should take a few seconds to reconsider. But yeah, yeah, like, I'm glad I stuck with my decision. And it's like, still yeah so definitely not as um elaborate as dominic yeah well 
the college admissions process is finally done for y'all. Like actually done, not just, you know, application sent out, but also you have your decisions, you know where you're going, financial aid is, you know, locked down. So y'all are finally done. What we wanted to do next is now that y'all are done, think through big picture reflections on what the process is. We actually, I think you two recorded an episode while I was in China, episode 33 at BIT dot ly slash au pod 33 that talked a little bit about you know the small like weird things about the college admissions process that a high school senior might not know going in so things that you wish you had done better but i wanted to ask you guys if you had any you know bigger even broader picture thoughts about you know what you think about the college admissions process so i think a lot of people like to point to the british system as being like superior uh, where you get to apply to like five schools um, and that way it kind of limits you, I think. And and the other difference with the British system, right, is that they're very intense on, you know, grades and they're numbers. numbers. Yeah, yeah. They really care about the numbers. And the American system is uh, a lot more holistic Definitely. for most schools. Um, and I think there's just so many more schools here. Um, and like there's with the exception of I mean, there's just more schools in the U.S. than the U.K., but also I like the quality. I think the U.S. has the best quality of high-level education. So I think, like, it's it's hard. I don't know what you would limit it to. Like, five schools seems kind of crazy because, like, the whole application process is kind of shaped around having your safety, uh, like, target and reach schools. And then trying to have only five schools in there is kind of crazy. Um, and then also, like, we have so many different application times. So there's early decision, there's early action, there's ED1, ED2. Man, they just keep creating new, like, dates every year. Cough you, Chicago. Um, so, I, yeah, so I I don't think modeling the U.S. system after another one would work. Also, Americans love their freedom of choice. So I don't know, like, if limiting people to five <laughs> schools is going to fly. Um, but I think the process, like, when I when I make claims, I definitely like to have solutions or like something else to throw onto it other than just identifying a problem but honestly like i think the process needs some work and i don't know how to fix it well what do you think some Um, of the problems are i think there's way too many kids applying for too few spots because you have like schools they a lot of the top tier schools they they don't take any more kids every year but they keep getting more applications and you see these acceptance rates getting lower and lower and i think as you get more and more applicants and you like you can just take the same amount of students i think decent amount of kids that like should be getting that level of education don't and i think that there's pretty clear levels of distinguishability between the different college like there's different tiers for sure like you can argue about which school belongs where but i think there's certainly tiers of colleges in the u.s and there's not that many schools that are jumping between tiers because it's so difficult for a school that has been around for 200, 300 years to like become an elite school overnight and compete with schools that have large endowments and a ton of support from everything. So I think it's gotten to the point where we have more kids that need that education than we can provide. And I think something that is coming from that is a lot of the... Um, like middle tier schools or tiers below like the very top schools are they're becoming closer i think the value of that like ivy league education or the stanford or the u chicago is becoming less uh, because those schools i think they have pretty much grown to what they can become 
And as you get more and more quality professors and quality students, they have to go to these other schools uh, because the top ones can't take them. And I think those, those, like all the schools are just becoming closer and closer together. So I think naturally over time, there's going to be more opportunity or more, more seats available in like schools to be able to house all of those super amazing applicants that the top ones right now can't take because they don't have enough space. So I think over time, it's going to fix itself. Obviously it kind of sucks for us and like the next years of applicants because it's not going to be fixed like that. But I think over time it will be fixed. Also, I think like cost of college is crazy. Um, and it's not even like real anymore. Like I look at the sticker price of colleges and it's like $76,000. And for most kids, like that doesn't even register as a real amount because for most people, that's more than their entire household makes in a year. So I think it's weird because the, the, there's some people that can still pay it. So the price keeps going up. Uh, but I think as like a lot of people, the millennial generation that's being destroyed by uh, student loans, as they get older and that kind of grows, um, <clears throat> I think the process will change too. And I'm interested to see how the price of college will change and how that works. I think I think I I remember talking to a Penn admissions officer when I went there for their admitted students day last year and I asked them, you know, what do you think the future of college admissions is? And she's talked about how, you know, the cost of college is going to keep rising, particularly at, you know, top private schools. And so the question that a lot of families are going to ask themselves is, you know, obviously there is huge value in a college education, but is it actually worth paying that huge premium just for the type of education or the type of prestige or name that a Ivy League or top private school will provide? Um, And so one of the things she talked about is that there's just going to be a moment at which, you know, admissions rates can't, are going to keep going down. But at some point, you're going to see like less people maybe more people getting in, but less people actually matriculating to the school just because the prices are, are insane and they, they show no signs of stopping, particularly at the level of the private school. Um, but, you know, like I, you know, I definitely yeah. sympathize with there being not enough spots. Like one of my frequent complaints is that if you have such massive endowments, why don't you just build some more buildings for students instead of for administrators? Like build a dorm, build a classroom, <laughs> then you can let more students in and provide the same quality because it's not as if there's a lack of professors out there. There's in fact a lot of PhDs who can't find jobs. Well, the solution to unemployed PhDs and students who want to go to schools but can't because of size constraints is to expand the school with more students and more professors. So it's a win-win for everybody. And so, you know, I don't, I don't really understand the incentives of, you know, higher education administrators. Um, if you are a higher education administrator, email us. We'd love to have you on. And you can explain why you aren't, you know, creating more buildings to let more students in. But I, I, I definitely agree. Like schools at some point cannot just keep denying kids they yeah. at some point and i feel like the uh the copy because and paste the is, like, letter nowadays more people is in the like United States, this is our most competitive applying, class which means you should we keep getting more and more applicants more every year this is the number of applicants we mm-hmm. had but we only have this many spots just like we had last year so we have to reject you as a quality applicant good luck thank you for applying and then that's like the rejection letter and i think that excuse only works for so long because they can fix it i agree with michael <laughs> yeah yeah and also, yeah, and also, yeah, and also the thing where they're like, yeah, we've like, 
you'll see them expand their class by, I don't know, like 50 students or something like that. But then the applicant pool is like by thousands and thousands. And it's just like, that's why, but then it's also like the numbers game. Like, I don't know, because they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So many people, blah, blah, blah. Our admissions rates are going to go down. This is going to look so good. And then with lower admissions rates, then just like more people are going to apply because they're like, oh my gosh, this must um, be a super good school because look, it only has like a 5% acceptance rate or something like that. So it's just going to be a continuous cycle of having a lot of people apply and then they just like they don't have room but it's because like of course like with the infrastructure but they definitely have the money they have so much money to be able to expand and all that so Um, much money yeah it's actually insane how much money they have but definitely like money than some like countries like some sovereign nations in the world have yeah but so definitely and then also i totally agree with like the sticker price like it's insane like it's both insane that they think a price so high is like reasonable because so many people their entire families like say they make a quarter of whatever like the school is asking for so like how do you expect people to pay that but of course like those people will generally get financial aid but it's also insane how like i know i should accept it but like it's hard to grasp how a lot at a lot of these schools like 50 percent of their students are actually paying that full price and it's just kind of insane and it's kind of hard to wrap my head around that. But um, but also like with like money and the financial and all that, another aspect that I've just kind of thought about is that the application process just gets harder and harder with every every year because like the people get more competitive. And just like now, just looking at all the students, like they're just like they just have to do so much. Like there's so much that you have to do that sometimes like it can just be super overwhelming and that at other times you it's kind of hard to just try to follow your passion because you're constantly chasing this other person who does like 10 activities or blah 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 because like what you do isn't enough like compared to I don't know like a few classes back I don't think they had to like constantly be in like president of a bunch of clubs blah 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 and like do all this volunteering and all of that and it makes sense because like they with more people applying they need other ways of like differentiating between people but I, th- I still think it's kind of insane where it's kind of become too much of like a like a race in like achievements who can get the most this and that and that's kind of hard sometimes we're definitely for like lower income students who like they're like they're worrying about going to school or like working an extra job that they can't constantly be at school all the time doing like a billion activities yeah i i definitely i definitely you know, obviously agree with the kind of like racialized and class and and like about how college admissions is divided on racial and class lines, you know, all the studies about the SAT and how, you know, wealthy students do better, you know, because there's the causal connection with things like test prep companies and tutors who charge, you know, like large sums of money. And, you know, I do that. So I understand how the prices work. And, you know, sometimes they're a little bit crazy. Um, but, you know, the other thing is just, like, generally, you know, what Nee was talking about, how everything is getting harder. I mean, I've had college interviewers say to me that yeah. if they were applying today, they wouldn't get in, right? Because these were these were people who applied decades ago when the admissions rate to Harvard was, like, 30%. Could you imagine an admissions rate to an Ivy League school or even any, like, top 20, top 50 to be 30%? I mean, to us, that would be 
amazing. But but to a lot of the older generation, the people who probably interviewed you, that was just how things worked at the time. And I think one of the big reasons for that is that, you know, something that, you know, I feel too is that everything is starting earlier. You know, I do I do test prep tutoring and this past year I've actually had two parents come to me to help them for to help their seventh graders with the SAT. They're seventh graders. These are middle schoolers, not even in high school. And and parents are already starting to fret about college admissions and college entrance exams. And even in high school, you know, I have sophomores coming to me. Well, I guess they're rising juniors now coming to me for for like guidance or just like help with thinking about how to choose classes with the aim of college. And so it's just really crazy to me how early it starts because I feel like before college admissions is kind of just like the thing you did for a semester of senior year and you kind of like locked it in and, and you're done. But now I think a lot of people, and I think yeah. rightfully so, because I of think how uh, you have an interesting is, point about the start to think about college admissions uh, way, like we're way, talking way people in advance, that not even junior year, had but such also a different experience with these same schools middle school. and they're still like working and they're still <clears throat> using that name connection as part of their careers. And I think for us to go through these same schools, it's going to be interesting to see how different it changes when we're in, in the interviewer's shoes and we're still in the workforce and we're looking at the kids that are going to be applying to these schools again. And like our kids are applying to the schools and we're still using these schools for connections and like, it could be completely different, right? <clears throat> like that same target school that you went to now that had the 30% acceptance rate could be on the same level as the 4% acceptance rate schools now. Like, we just don't know. And I think that's... That was one thing I found solace in through making this process, like, my decision, in that I believe that those, like, tiers are going to come together. So I think that because there's, like, 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 like Michael said, there's more PhDs out there than there are teaching jobs, like, you're going to get a quality education wherever you go. Um, so as far as... Like worrying about, obviously it's great to get in these top schools, but maybe I'm just like reassuring myself here, but I honestly think that like wherever you go, you're going to get pretty much the same quality of education. And then a lot of it is going to be what you make of what you learn. <laughs> I mean, you're fine now when I can like VC's top 50, mm-hmm. but I, you know, like I generally agree with a sentiment that you know, like quality of education wise, it, it's it's just like how how many ways are there to teach an intro to bio class? You know, the answer is that there there aren't that many ways. You know, you every you know person in the entire country taking intro to bio is going to have to learn kind of the same things. And you know, even at top schools, you have awful professors who don't teach well. And at you know schools that might not be ranked as high, you have have professors that teach really really well. So you know, I definitely agree. Like. Thinking about quality of education is very, very difficult. Um, you know, there might be something to say that the style of education is different. Maybe you're going like, to get less of the traditional kind of like liberal arts education at a big public school. But there are plenty of liberal arts schools who wouldn't be in the, like the top 100 yeah. that would still give you kind of the small class sizes that, that you might expect out of a liberal arts school. But I do think the key difference is is social capital coming out of, of top 
you know, 20 top 50 like private schools because there is like the alumni connections. There, there are, there is the, the prestige of the brand that you go to. And it's not like a good thing to say if you're listening to this as like someone applying to colleges next year, it's not something you should say in your essays because that wouldn't turn out very well. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't put that. But you know, the fact of the matter is that if the quality of education is the same or like relatively the same, the key differentiator for, I think, the big name schools are the names of the schools. Yeah. And I think that, like, if you don't go to one of those schools, obviously you're going to be a little bit hurt by the original uh, difference in connections there. But, like, if you have to become that first generation of, like, the connection from the, these schools that are going to develop to be even greater schools, like, go ahead and do that. Also, yeah. I definitely agree. Well, BC, we're going to the top, yeah. boys. <laughs> We're going to the top. Let me tell you. Watch out, Harvard. We're going to take over that river. Take over both MIT and Harvard's campuses. Take, both sides of the river. On. We're just marching across. We're going to gather BU and all the others. There's so many schools in Boston. I know it's a, a side note, but there's so many. I was in Chicago and I thought there were tons there. But oh, like no. Boston insane. Insane. Yeah. But also, like, a quick note about, like, prestige and all that. And kind of... Because I know a lot of people... Some people that I know, like, have settled um, maybe for, like, state schools and stuff just because they give more money. They have a bunch of, like, benefits. Um, they get to be in the honors program and all that. And it's not like they didn't get into um, maybe, like, another school that was ranked higher, but they still made that decision. Um, and it's definitely, like, I think in those, like, specific cases, it really depends on which will be the best for you and you shouldn't be, like, clouded um um, by the like the name of like a big name school and also the thing is like I feel like nowadays like getting a bachelor's like even with like a bachelor's like it's still extremely hard to get a job and all that and now like a lot of people are going back to graduate school whether it be like professional school or like a master's or like a PhD because like now it's like everyone's getting a bachelor's so like it's just like the same thing like when you're getting a job so now you have to go get a master's or like another degree when like compared to before, like not maybe not as many people went to college, and so it's I just feel like everything is continually getting more um, comp- competitive, and like college is going to be like become the norm, and then now it's going to be like masters and graduate school, so that's also like kind of another thing where it's like especially if you want to go to graduate school, maybe it's the wiser decision to pick a school that will give you more money for your undergrad because you know you're going to have to drop so much money during graduate school and usually you won't get financial aid if you go to graduate school, so. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, and this goes back to the beginning of the episode, like there are so many factors when it comes to choosing the school you're going to go to for the next four years. So, you know, I definitely don't think prestige should be the only thing. Um, But, you know, for me, it was obviously a thing. (laughs) And maybe it was a little bit... Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it was a little bit too important, but who knows? Um, The last thing I want to do to close out the episode and close out our run together is, you know, we've talked a lot about college admissions and how it works now. We've talked a lot about, about how we can, you know, use our tips and tricks to do the best within the way things work right now. But I wonder, what do you think is unfair about the system? What do you think or not even unfair, doesn't make sense or or something that 
just like doesn't work well for selecting kids for for an education and what do you think we can do to fix it colleges can do students can do schools can do parents can do what do y'all think all right so i'm just gonna go with like one of the first things that comes to mind is just like i know at, at school we've talked about this sometime like just like the access to resources and kind of like just like information concerning the whole college admissions process because like of course not everyone gets the same support you know some some students have been working for this like since middle school like their parents have hired like personal like college counselors and all that and then also like the nature of the school they go to like some schools definitely will have better um counselors better like college advisors than others and i think like sometimes that can also play a role in kind of just like the college admissions process like it goes back to the whole like different um socioeconomic classes and all that and it's just of course it's hard because it goes with those very like deep rooted like differences between classes so and like i feel like that's a common theme throughout like the entire process but just like somehow making it like more fair because a lot of these students don't get exposed aren't exposed to kind of like all these opportunities they don't have as much support when applying to colleges because I know we were very fortunate to have um really good teachers that helped basically helped us build like our entire common app essay which is really like which is like a big part of the college application but say you're a student in a school where teachers aren't willing to do that so then you're already starting off at a disadvantage yeah and you know, this is something that happens domestically, like in the United States. There are certainly programs that do actually great work helping it. Um, so I, I'm a volunteer for Matriculate. It's a nonprofit that kind of just like pairs college students with high low-income high school students to help them through the college admissions process. And so, you know, for sure, Matriculate doesn't solve everything. But I think there's a, a lot of attention now being put into place about how college admissions is unfair to minorities and certainly very unfair to low-income people. The thing that I think doesn't get talked about as much but should is how the system is unfair for international students. It is, the college admissions process here in the United States is just very strange and very wacky. There is almost no other place where essays and kind of the soft part of your applications emphasize so heavily as here in the United States. Asian countries, it's all about the test scores. England, very heavy focus on test scores, and the essay should be about an academic achievement, not kind of like a life story or life narrative. So I definitely don't think there's as much support out there for international students to explain to them about the American system, particularly for, for low-income international students, to explain to them how the American system works. And on top of that, there's also the issue of financial aid for international students. You know, they're, they're, like if you go on any like college meme page, there's always some meme about oh, international students walk around with like Canada goose and they're like old pleated like Gucci jacket or like whatever. There's always some joke about international students being very, very rich. And it tends to be the case because domestic schools here in the United States don't give out generally a lot of financial aid to international students. So the only international students who A, have the money to figure out how to get here and B, have the money to afford a college education here are going to be super wealthy, which leaves out a lot of low-income international students who I think, you know, if if you believe diversity is an educational tool, then you should also believe that we should have low-income international students. Like, if you only have international students who are wealthy, that certainly leaves a huge group off the table for, for important conversations. So 
it's something that we don't we didn't talk about as much you know we did one episode about being an american applying internationally and it's something that i definitely want to fix moving on but i definitely don't think people think as hard about the ways there are inequalities for international students as well as domestic students all right so i have two things i think i want to say so the first one i think the whole college applying community and everybody involved in college applications focuses a lot on college rankings and i think a lot of that guides how schools are perceived um and why students apply to some schools and i think the rankings are somewhat accurate in that like the best schools are at the top but i think we focus too much i think we put too much focus on it for a calculation that's made that almost like some of the some of the aspects of it don't really relate like to the quality of like an education or how good a school is like and every different ranking has a different formula to where they calculate which school is the best and i think that it's just not an accurate way that we decide which school is the best and i don't know how we fix that because it's just what people like to look at everybody likes rankings but i think that the whole ranking system is definitely it, it could use some work um and then kind of going off of that this is gonna be vague but take it how you will um, I think the U.S. system and especially the very top schools have gotten very holistic um, in the application process, which is different from like the British system that we've talked about before, which is pure numbers and everything. And a lot of like the Chinese and South Korean schools that do the same thing. But I think it's gotten very holistic to where like some of uh, some aspects I don't think matter. And there there's some there's some weight of your application put onto some things. So I think. There needs to be a return from how holistic the application process has gotten. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one potential solution to that last concern about just how like the term holistic admissions is thrown thrown around is that admissions officers should just be like more transparent about what they're looking for because they are looking for something. Yeah, we've been doing this for a year. I've been talking about this like pretty much every week. I have no clue what a college admissions officer wants. Like. I don't know. But but you know they want something, though. Yeah, they want something, but you just don't know what it is, and they don't tell you. It's just, it's t- And they don't even know, because they're like, oh, it's it's holistic. We care about everything. I don't, but they're I don't like, know if that's true, right? Like, I, I think they want to take the position that they'll take everything into account. But just, like, honestly, like, the, your job as an admissions officer is literally to make distinctions between people so you know yeah. when you're looking at two applications they definitely what have, is the difference yeah. between those two applications so just tell us <laughs> yeah and then also all the, like some schools have ranking points that yeah, they assign yeah. to different kids but like every school is different which i guess is fine but like it's so difficult to where you're looking at these different schools like each one wants something different and you only figure out how they rank kids because they get sued and they have to provide to the court and you're like what is this <laughs> and then they change it up and say it's holistic and say it doesn't matter. It's it's so complicated and terrible and we don't know what they want. I get the idea behind like not releasing exactly how you calculate kids and calculate everything. But still, like you have to give us an idea. Well, yeah, because then there's going to be for. no, but then everyone's just going to follow the outline and then you're just going to have to come up. With yeah, yeah. That's why I think like to differentiate a, between the students. There's a fine yeah, there's, line. There's. That's why yeah, I there's feel a like... good point to like not mm-hmm. telling them exactly how they accept it, but tell us like what you're looking for. 
that doesn't have to. But I definitely think we all kind of have an idea. So we always say the standard things like test scores, like they're like you can't get in with high test scores, especially in like competitive schools. But they can definitely like keep you out. So like that's the first thing. I I feel like all the parts that we've like parts that we thought were important enough to make like entire episodes about. So definitely those things, but like, yeah, for sure I get what you're saying, like within those things and all when they're like, okay, we just look at you as an entire applicant. I feel like we all want to know what's like either one thing that got us in or like what's that one thing that kind of didn't get us in. But yeah, I know like didn't, can't some people like, can't you request to see your file or something like at the end or something that, I don't know, I feel like we've talked about that before, but you'll never know. From what I, so, like, also I think, like, the whole FERPA thing is, like, super broken. So, when you go to the Common App and you waive your FERPA rights that were created so that you have those rights, like, it's, I think it's Well, you're waiving the FERPA rights for the teacher rec letters, and only the teacher rec rec letters. You have- Are you sure it's only the teacher rec letters? Yeah, so- what you can do as a student at, at you know BC, you know, me, Dartmouth, me, Columbia, is that you can actually make a FERPA request with your admissions office, and they are required under law to show you the academic and educational records they have on you. So I did that with Columbia. Is that only for Yeah, so you students? can't do it to uh, schools that you're not a student at, because FERPA only applies if you're a student of the institution, which is like, doesn't really make sense in the context of like getting college admissions records, but as the concept of educational rights makes sense because yeah. you don't really have educational rights at a school you don't go to. Yeah, okay. Never mind. I redact my uh, <laughs> statement about FERPA being broken. Now, speaking of... I still don't think like, I don't think it's used the way it like was intended, but I don't Well, know. okay, so speaking of redactions, this is super ridiculous. When I FERPA at Columbia for my admissions record, they basically just printed out my Common App and some essays and there were no markings on any of the papers because their internal <laughs> document retention policy you don't see me but i'm doing quote unquotes right now their internal documentation policy says that at the end of every admission season they get rid of all those comments so any any things that admissions officers wrote <laughs> on it's not scanned put it in a file you know they print out my file they like note things on it you know mark it up all that's gone they just have the electronic basically the thing you submitted wonderful very helpful so so when i saw that i was like okay columbia i guess you are following the letter of ferpa but spirit of ferpa i don't think so uh but i think it's always worth a shot so y'all should ferpa your schools when you get there so that's the end of our our episode um it's the last episode with the trio of us version one of the admissions uncovered podcast so i don't know do y'all have do y'all have some thoughts last words to the audience who i felt like i just gave like all the words everything about I, I don't okay so for those of you who went through the process you know how crazy it is i think you're now at colleges um if you want to change anything about it you're at the right place to do it um if not you're done with it you never have to do it again unless you want to do grad school or any professional yeah. schools um if you're a student currently going through the process we have this will be the 51st episode and episodes will keep continuing to happen go back through them learn what you can about the process um make sure you really think about who you are uh like i said it's very holistic the drawback from holistic is not going to happen <laughs> this year so if anything is get more holistic um i don't know think about who you are um kind of tell your story through it um yeah that's pretty much it well my words are gonna 
be more just like reflecting on this process like us personally like doing this podcast you know I don't even remember how it started Michael probably like approached us on the train and he was weird and I was like okay whatever Michael you seem like you know what you're doing I guess I'll do it (laughs) um you know yeah it's been it's been good like there's been a lot of times where we're like okay scheduling all of that all the like the pre-planning that took like an hour and a half and I'm like bro we just gotta we just gotta do it but I don't know it it was good I definitely think (laughs) editing for me and Dominic yeah all my um likes yeah. and my um editing is fun but i definitely think it helped us with our call like our own processes and like i also helped um hope it helped our listeners i never would have thought i would be doing like a podcast about college admissions while going through college admissions as if i wasn't stressed enough and i had to go on here and be like <laughs> i i gotta do some research so i get I got to make it seem like I actually know what I'm doing. So that kind of helped um, in both aspects. Also, like Michael helping us with like the edits um, here and there in our essays, like hearing his his advice, things to do, things not to do. Um, You know, it's really good. Also, it's like learning who who would have thought that I would be doing a podcast in high school, you know, and uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. Who knows? Maybe like when we're 70, we'll be doing like a. I don't know, intro to uh, nursing homes (laughs) podcast. I don't know. (laughs) Nursing homes uncovered? Yeah, who knows? How to apply to the best nursing homes? I don't know. But it's been good. Thank you to Michael for like getting us to do this. We definitely wouldn't have done it without, without you. Dominic, it's been good ever since Franklin, you know? It's good. It's good. Frankly, you're, Franklin, they're middle gang. school. They're middle school. Yeah, and then we're gonna be graduating. I still contend that middle school is the best schooling experience. Nope. I've had. Nope. College nope. better. Nope. College that. is gonna break that. Yeah. I. I <laughs> promise. College is gonna break that. At least I hope so. <laughs> Bro, we could do like a reunion episode, like at the end of like freshman year or something. Freshman year in college. Yeah. And be like reflections on freshman year. <laughs> if I'm not like bawling my eyes out. But yeah. Aww. It's been good. Well, it's been good. I have really enjoyed doing the podcast with y'all. Like, I am just, I'm just super interested in college admissions because I think, like, working through all the essays and thinking about everything you've done, it just forces you to think about who you are. And that's something that, like, has been a real pleasure, like, watching y'all do, helping other people do, helping people who have, like, emailed us questions do. Mm -hmm. And... It's been a lot of fun talking with you guys and and also just like thinking through this just awful, awful process with y'all and hopefully making it a little bit less painful. Um, You know, I mean, you know, like that's why I think it's so important to have someone close to your age group help you with college admissions. Like these are deeply personal things that I wouldn't feel comfortable talking to like a 80 year old grandma in a nursing home about you know it just like feels weird <laughs> to, to to do that whereas like talking to people that you're basically like your own age plus or minus a year dominic is in fact older than me right so cool so <laughs> yes cool. um which is yes, i still can't get over um but but doing this has yeah. been a lot of fun and you know this chapter of admissions uncovered is over but i am actually very very excited for the next one um one of the things that I think 
we've done a good job is kind of covering the basics of college admissions and things like that. But I think one thing that we haven't done a good job of is like going into the kind of like nitty gritty details of things. So I mentioned music schools before, but I'd also just like to broaden the discussion to things like educational inequality in general, problems with college admissions and solutions. You know, if you've noticed, we've done a lot more interviews in the past and in the future, there will be a lot more interviews hopefully with an admissions officer coming soon, hopefully, hopefully. Minor tease, just just stay, <laughs> stay subscribed because there might be some cool stuff coming your way. That was the final episode of version one of the Admissions Uncovered podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For If, you, if you've been here since episode one, thank you. Uh, if you've been here since episode, you know, early on, thank you so much for, for sticking with us and, and coming on this crazy, crazy ride with us. Um, It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much, and I will see you next week. Dominic. Really?